Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I want to talk a little bit about first love. Love. Oh, love. What is love? Well, let's start off with this notion that we use love synonymously with the word God. And that is common among many, many faith traditions, many religious paths that we say love. What we, when we say God, what we mean is that essence of pure love because that is the nature of God. God is love. God is pure love. And Charles Fillmore in, uh, offered this, that love is the pure essence of being. And so if God is love, God is the pure essence of being. And if we are that power and presence, then we are the pure essence of being. You see how that all starts to work together? Love is the pure essence of being, the power that binds in divine harmony the universe and everything in it. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And he's quoting Romans 13.10 there. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. So love, that power that binds in divine harmony the universe and everything in it. This universe exists as the binding of all through and as love. Does that sound very obtuse to you? Because for some people, it may sound obtuse. What I'm going to invite you to do is step into that space of feeling where it might feel a little strange at first, but to step into that space of feeling the love, the energy of love, the magnificence at your core that is love. And just feel it. Just luxuriate in it. Because I don't think we luxuriate in that feeling nearly enough. And I'm going to call on each of us to luxuriate in the feeling of pure love so more... I don't care if you don't understand, watch. <laughs> All I care about is that you understand. <laughs> I want us to luxuriate in that feeling of love more so now than perhaps ever before and make it a practice every single day. That's the value of spiritual practice. You know, I say that we engage in spiritual practice to, we were providing these practical tools to make our lives better. Well, part of making our life better is to luxuriate in the understanding that it is all love. There is nothing that isn't the expression of love made by that pure impression of love upon itself. Now it's sounding really obtuse, right? You impress love upon itself and what shows up? Love. Getting my point? The only thing that exists is love. That's it. Nothing else. And so, something's got a hold on me today, it's love. That's what I'm choosing. Love is the power that binds. And so, the power that binds means that its order, its nature is order. Order is its very nature. It wants to be in order. And that, of course, as Felicia indicated, is the aspect of the divine that we are looking at this month, the power of order, which is an aspect of who we are. Order, Charles Fillmore says, is the first law of the universe. And he's quoting other people. There are many people who have said order is the first law of the universe. And love and the law work in tandem. They work together to create. And so as we impress upon this magnificence, that sense of love, what must flow forth is a well-ordered whole. 
a well-ordered wholeness in expression. What we experience when we are open to it is pure love. And everything, whether we call it good or we call it bad, is the flow of pure love. That's hard for some people to hear because we can look at all the things that we don't like and say, well, how is that possibly the flow of pure love? Well, some of us get love mixed up a little bit and we act in ways that are not so loving in the expression of it, but the power itself is the power of love. And it loves, the love itself is free of judgment. It does not care what is impressed upon it. It does not care. It can't care. It is an energy of creation. And so our use of that love can be destructive at times. And we actually go in cycles of this. We go in cycles of this. Now, those cycles, I have come to realize, are not bad things. Because when I change my relationship to the things I perceive as destructive, then what happens is I recognize the love at the core. And something new shines forth. So love and law work in tandem, and what we experience is experience. It is the circumstance of our lives. And so we are celebrating this power of order. Love points the way, and because the nature of the universe is well-ordered, the law makes the way possible. Now, some of you will recognize that as a quote of Ernest Holmes. Love points the way, the law makes, makes, it, makes the way possible. And that's all we are ever experiencing, love and law, love and law, love and law, love and law. Every aspect of our being is the flow of love as the law. When we observe this thing called life, and I'm constantly in a state of observation, are you? I'm constantly looking at myself and looking at things, and uh, I don't want to walk through life blindly. But when we observe, what we observe, I think has fundamental order to it. Now, you may look and say, I don't recognize the order in what seems like chaos, but there's order at the core of all of it. It's like fractals. Do you know what fractals are? Anyone? Fractals. Ooh. Fractals are... Basically, it's a mathematic... It's, a math, it's an idea in mathematics, right? So a fractal is a geometric figure, and each part of that figure has the same statistical character as the whole, no matter how many times you break it down. You don't need to understand this. I'm just letting you know. I'm just telling you what it is so that you have some idea. And if you want to go look it up, then go look it up. But basically, the idea is that as you break down stuff, as you break down the geometry of something, what you find is that the core of that, the geometry stays the same. And so it's a way of applying a mathematical understanding to the universal whole, to the cosmos, and make sense, and it helps us make sense of what seems like chaos. Because at the core, what seems like chaos still has a fundamental order to it. Similar patterns, what, what, what they've determined, they being people, <laughs> mathematicians, what they've determined is that similar patterns emerge at progressively smaller scales. And so, this can be used to describe the order of the universe in how it shows up as a snowflake 
as easily as how it shows up as an entire galaxy. That as you look at it on the smaller and smaller scale, fundamentally, the, the, the mathematical way of understanding it, the geometry of it, stays the same. And I even wrote up here, don't over-explain. <laughs> well, that's out the window. <laughs> but here's why, that's, here's why this is important to me. The reason that this is important to me and the reason I kind of wanted to bring up fractals is because the fundamental nature of the universe is order. That's what it means. That no matter how you break it down, it's always order. An atom is in the same sense of order as the universe. That's what really I'm trying to get to. So do you know the word, do you know what the word cosmos actually means? Many people think, oh, it means universe, and it does. But what it fundamentally means is a well-ordered universe. That's what the word cosmos means. It comes from the Greek, and it means that it is a well-ordered whole, a well-ordered wholeness. So if that's the nature of the universe, why does life seem so chaotic sometimes? Anyone ever have that experience? Life feeling or seeming chaotic? I have an answer for you. Oh, he has an answer. It's because the phoenix always rises from the ashes. We teach mythology about that, right? The phoenix always rises from the ashes. What has been created in the lives of each and every one of us, and we are creating all the time, all the time, and what we do is we say, here's this expansive, infinite, universal wholeness that we are now going to put up structures around so that we can experience life, and those structures are going to keep us into this very narrow box of experience. And then, at some point, the box has to be broken down. Because why? It no longer can contain the inherent, infinite nature of your being. That's when we feel heartache. That's when we feel challenge in life. It is simply the universe reordering itself by breaking down that which we have put into place because it cannot contain our greatness anymore. It cannot contain our magnificence anymore. And so what happens is we break it down into seeming chaos and then we build something else right back up into cosmos, the well-ordered whole. And then we break it down into chaos at some point and then we build it right back up. And so we're on this cycle of cosmos through chaos and back again and back again and back again. And I think that one of the things that we may want to consider is to stop being so afraid of life when it falls apart. What we must know and what I think we should learn is that if life seems to be falling apart all around us, that our work then is to understand it from the spiritual perspective to say, I see that life is falling apart, but I know fundamentally who I am, and I know that I will rebuild and renew my life from my understanding of my, my soul's magnificence. Amen. Amen. The nature of creation and recreation from cosmos to chaos and back again is the same in the macrocosm as it is in the microcosm. The creative power of the universal wholeness is the same as the creative power in you because there is no separation between who you are and this infinite wholeness. And you may never know the extent of the power that you hold right where you are because we spend a lot of time diminishing the knowledge of our own power by looking at all the stuff out there that tells us something else. 
There's a sketch that was on Mad TV that just came to mind, and it's the Bob Newhart sketch where he goes, he's, he's, he's playing a psychi- psychologist, right? Go figure, Bob Newhart pay- playing a psychologist. And the patient comes in and says, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. And he says, well, I'm going to fix you in just a few words. Stop it! <laughs> it's a hilarious sketch. I'm not going to go into the rest of it, but you can go watch that on YouTube as well. You may never know the magnificent power that you are, and if you are aligning yourself with anything out there, what words do I have for you? Stop it. Do something, be something. Allow yourself to flow in a different direction. There's a gentleman, uh, he made his transition in 2017, uh, that I became aware of actually about a year before he transitioned. His name was Chris Rosati. Um, and he was in Durham, North Carolina. And he decided that even though it felt like his body through ALS was falling apart, that he wanted to engage his own sense of magnificence. Now, these are my words describing how it was for him. But he made this decision that he was going to do good deeds every single day. And so there was this one instance where he was in a diner and... uh, there were these two girls sitting at a table. He didn't know them, but they were 10 and 13. He came to find out. He went to those girls and he gave them $50 each. Can you imagine at 10 years old, $50? Of course, maybe now that's a little bit less of a... <laughs> when I was 10 years old, that would have been a huge deal. So, so he gave the, each of these girls $50. And his instruction was, with this, you must do something kind. You must do something kind. And then he let it go. He didn't think about it again. Until a little while later, he received an email. And in the email were pictures from Sierra Leone in Africa, a village in Sierra Leone, where the people of that village were holding signs that said, thank you for spreading kindness, Chris Rosati. So the girls had a father who was in the Peace Corps, and he was stationed in Sierra Leone. The girls used that money to help pay for a feast for the entire village. You never know what action you take, how it may affect something on the other side of the world. But if you are leading with kindness, if you are leading with love and allowing the well-ordered universe to take care of the rest, well then, how magnificent is that? It's a reminder that part of this nature of order is that we are all interconnected. We are all part of the whole. We are all unity. I mean, it's in the name of our philosophical movement. We are unity. And I think about the ways that I have been led into service in in an unexpected manner. In 2002, in fact, it was, well, in two, uh, uh, just go with that. In 2002, I was living in Los Angeles. I had been there for a couple years. I was floundering a little bit with, like, the uh, life that I wanted to live, not being in alignment with the life that I was living. Anyone ever have that experience? It's like, I really want to be acting, because that was my desire at the time. I want to be acting. And so I auditioned. Um, I wasn't in the pro leagues yet. I was not a union actor or anything like that at that time. Um, 
But I auditioned for a community theater production of a musical called Blood Brothers. Now, most people have never heard of Blood Brothers. Have you ever heard? Yeah, you know. Well, of course, you would know Blood Brothers. But most people in the United States will not have heard of Blood Brothers because it was a very uh, British musical. And um, I auditioned for this community theater production of Blood Brothers, and I get cast as one of the brothers. Ooh, so exciting, right? And so that led me to ultimately help children who were experiencing poverty and in some cases abuse and abandonment by going to Guatemala. Wait, what? How did you get there? So I did this production of Blood Brothers. It was so well received that a semi-pro theater picked it up and said, we want to transfer this into our space. So I went to that space. I then subsequently became a member of the resident theater company at that space where I came to know a woman named Caressa. Caressa after many shows we did at that particular theater space together, um, then decided that she wanted to direct the play Angels in America. If you know Angels in America, it is no small undertaking. But we couldn't do that play in the space where we produced theater because it wasn't big enough. We needed high ceilings so that we could rig an angel. So we go to this space in uh, North Hollywood, that, this theater space that has very high ceilings so that we can rig an angel in the production. I'm moving along with this production. I get cast in Angels in America, and I'm doing Angels in America in this production. And this theater just happens to also be a New Thought Church owned by a minister in religious science. This minister in religious science uh, and I became very well acquainted. And I, well, the, the whole other story is how I went to my first service, uh, which is funny because I was actually going to meet a person. Get it? <laughs> and I met the person, this guy, and I was like, oh, he's very nice, but not for me. But boy, what I'm hearing from this minister is fundamentally changing my life. Never thought that this could possibly exist, this alignment with what I fundamentally believed already. Wait, there's somebody who's saying it from the stage? Because I grew up unchurched, right? And so I become involved. I decide about six months after that first service I went to, to become a minister. And I start my studies in ministry right away. So I become very involved in that particular church, which then <clears throat> allowed me to become a minister to go to Toronto, Ontario in Canada, where I had my first pulpit outside of ministerial studies, and I served there. And then I found out that that church where I had been raised up in ministry was going to take a volunteer trip to support an orphanage and boarding school in Guatemala. And I get the call that says, would you like to come and be part of this? And I said, absolutely, yes. And so what started in Westchester in the Los Angeles area took me all the way to Canada and then to Guatemala. And I've been to Guatemala a few times now to support this organization. So had, you never know what action you take is going to serve the world. You never know. Here's the thing. Do not be afraid of taking action in your life because it's very easy. Had I not gone to that audition out of fear, what might have happened? Well, I always say you cannot get the yes unless you ask. And so we must go out there, I think, and ask and ask and ask and ask. In what way might we choose to live our lives when we deepen our realization of this well-ordered interconnectedness? And not just our lives, but the lives of every single person we encounter. What might happen?
This is what I want to leave you with today. We are all part of a universal order. You belong to the universe in which you live. You are one with the creative genius back of this vast array of ceaseless motion. You are as much a part of it as the sun, the earth, and the air. You are the cosmos, even in the times when your life is in seeming chaos. Your fundamental nature is the cosmos, the universe in ecstatic motion, as Rumi says. That's what we are. In this seeming chaos which we can experience, it's always temporary, by the way, always, 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 your very nature is order. And the driving force of creation in you is love. Love points the way. The law as order makes the way possible. That's what I leave you with today. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. So the homework today, and if you are new to our community, I just want to let you know that I offer homework every week, which is one of the ways we make this practice practical. The homework this week is I would like you to look at seeming polarities in your life. What do I mean by that? There's times when there's cosmos and there's time when there's chaos, right? Be willing to look at those seeming polarities in your life experience. I would like you to journal. Oh my gosh, he wants us to write something down. Yes, and this is a week where I would like you to journal. I would like you to journal every single day about the benefits of each expression, the benefits of the cosmos and the benefits of the chaos. Whether it be cosmos or seeming chaos, what benefit can you find in it? And that's all. Just deepen into awareness. That's the path. That's the plan. That's the homework. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.